Welcome to the Healthy Nomics Podcast, episode number 11 with Matt Fraser. Hi everyone, I'm Mark Kennedy, your host and the founder of HealthyNomics.com. I have a very special guest for you today, but before we get into it, I wanted to let you know about a little project that I'm working on. If you're a runner, you might be interested in this. I'm working on an app that will help runners develop and practice their fueling plans. This is something I wish I had training for my last marathon. If you want to be the best runner you can be, you have to put some time and effort into your race fueling plan. You could be in the shape of your life, but if you don't fuel properly, you're not going to hit your PB. It's that simple. If you want to find out when the app gets released, head over to healthynomics.com app and sign up there. Okay, about today's show. Today I chat with Matt Fraser of No Meat Athlete. No Meat Athlete was founded in 2009 by Matt, about the same time he went vegetarian. Six months later, Matt qualified for the Boston Marathon with a time of 3.09.59 at the Wineglass Marathon, over 100 minutes faster than his first marathon time seven years prior. In June 2010, Matt ran his first 50-mile ultramarathon and has run several more ultras and marathons since. Matt is also the author of the upcoming book, No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants, and Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. I encourage you to keep listening to this episode, not only because Matt provides some great advice for being a plant-based athlete and tips for those interested in going plant-based, but also because we're giving away two copies of Matt's book. Okay, let's get into it. All right, everybody. I am very excited for my guest today. Uh, Today, I have Matt Frazier from NoMeatAthlete.com. Matt, uh, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. I'm looking forward to being on the podcast. Yeah, I've been... uh, We've been sort of in touch for probably a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, you did an yeah, you did an interview on my site probably a year and a half or so ago, and uh, I've been following your work for probably two or three years now. And uh, although I'm not a plant-based athlete, I do um, you know I love the the info you put out on your site, and uh, that definitely makes me think you know from my own nutritional standpoint about what I'm putting into my body um, and all that good stuff. So, uh, anyways, why don't we start like I start with most of my guests. Uh, if you can give us a, a background on who you are, where you grew up, uh, where you went to university, uh, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, I grew up uh, in a town called Bel Air, Maryland, in the United States, and uh, was not, I mean, I was an athlete like a lot of kids, you know, did soccer, baseball, things like that, uh, but we never focused on healthy eating. I mean, we didn't know anything about it, certainly not vegetarian or vegan, uh, just, you know, very, very normal, average, typical childhood, and uh, was there for the first 20 years of my life or so. I went to college at James Madison University in Virginia, about three and a half hours away, and uh, finished up there with a finance degree. While I was there, I got into running, and I mean, I, I hated running before that, but some friends and I decided that we were going to run a marathon. It was just kind of like a college, uh, you know, what college guys do, you know, get all amped up and competitive, <laughs> and like one guy says he's going to run a half marathon, and then the other guy's like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to do a full, and then by the end of the night, all three of us have signed up for a full marathon, and no one has ever run more than three miles at once. Amazing. But we got it done. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but it, it did get finished. And I, for some reason, I kind of just like caught the running bug from that. I didn't expect to at all, but I just kind of became obsessed with the idea of qualifying for the Boston Marathon. And I was a good uh, over 100 minutes slower than I needed to be to do that in that first marathon. And uh, I just kind of dedicated myself to to learning how to train and how to run and uh, over time over the course of seven years gradually got there and uh, it took me it took I mean I was about 10 minutes shy of qualifying for Boston this was back in 2009 when I just said I'm going to 
fooling around with my diet. I didn't know I had kind of had an ethical pull to go vegetarian, but I was under the impression that you just can't do that and still train for marathons. I and mean, I didn't know that that people did at all. So I thought you couldn't do it. Finally, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, I've kind of plateaued with my training. Uh, I'm just going to give this diet a try and see what happens because, you know, what's on the course where I currently am on, I don't think I'm going to qualify for Boston as it is. So why not just try something else and see what happens? And that's when I started my blog, nomeatathlete.com, really as an experiment. And amazingly, I mean, to me, the, the diet actually worked. And within a month, I was noticing that I was running faster already, partly because I had lost five pounds or so, and I'm not, not a very big guy to begin with, so that five pounds was, was significant, and uh, luckily it, it stabilized there. I didn't really lose a lot of more weight or any strength, and had the best training summer of my life, and then six months after I, I made that diet change, I, I actually qualified for Boston. So from then on, it was just, you know, I started writing more on the site about kind of how do you, it went from, from being an experiment to more of teaching and just kind of showing what I had done that had made this work so well. And I had interviewed a lot of people, and I just had had kind of learned a whole lot about how it all worked. Where when I started the site, I really didn't know anything about plant based diet at all. I just knew about running. What uh, what, what resources did you use um, when you f- sort of first started experimenting with a plant based diet? Did you have any any books that guided you or had a big effect, or uh, any other resources? You know, I had read uh, Chris Carmichael's book. I guess uh, Food for Fitness is what it's called. It's for endurance athletes, and I noticed that. He recommends some. I think it's like 65% carbohydrate, uh, 15% protein, and then whatever the rest is, 30 no, 20% fat. Mm-hmm. So I just had that book, and again, I hadn't, you know, I'd thought about nutrition somewhat as a marathoner, but hadn't really ever thought of vegetarian stuff. But I looked at that book, and I realized how easy it would be to apply a vegetarian, you know, to make a vegetarian diet fit his guidelines. So it didn't really occur to me at the time, but now looking back, it's like that was a pretty good sign that this is a diet that does work well for endurance athletes. So after that, I found Brendan Brazier, who was a former Canadian, former professional triathlete uh, at the Ironman distance, has won the Canadian Ultramarathon Championships once or twice. And he had a book called Thrive, which I'm sure you've heard of. I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but uh, I've, actually, you're the second uh, guest I interviewed. Paul Jarvis, who's a, mm-hmm. a, a vegan, not a not a no meat athlete, but um, he also uh, really really liked that book. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely not your traditional nutrition book. Aside from the fact that it's entirely vegan, uh, it's a lot about energy and stress, and you know some of the alkaline acid stuff, which a lot of people really question whether you know how legitimate that is. Uh, I don't have too much reason to doubt it, but you know, it's just a very a lot of different ideas in there, and it really opened my mind to a lot of things, the most obvious of which was that was that a vegan diet can work. And for Brendan, actually, that was the diet that, that best worked for endurance sports, and that's why he chose it. So there was a lot in there. And it, that's not a diet that I can follow as a dad with two kids. I mean, it's just like if, if I made that food, my kids would never eat it. But mm-hmm. but that, that book's for very serious athletes. And it's you know a lot of raw stuff and a lot of superfood type things that you know, if, if I put that on the table for my kids, they'd be like, what are you doing? But, <laughs> I should okay. back up for one sec. Um, when you first became um, sort of plant-based or experimenting, was was your wife, was she also plant-based or was she also willing to to be a guinea pig with you? No, she was just really supportive and, and thought it was a, a cool idea. I mean, she we had had this conversation before that we both, uh, you know, we were dog owners and loved our dogs so much and just 
for some reason, kind of both at the same time, started feeling strangely about eating animals. And she's also a runner, also a marathoner. Uh, and when I came home and said, you know, I really want to just try this, she was like totally supportive. I think she was kind of waiting for someone to, to say, yeah, let's actually just jump in and do this. Because it is hard. If, if you don't have both in there, it'd be hard to do that you know to eat separately from the rest of your family and eat different food that would be very difficult for sure yeah exactly sort of why i, I wanted to ask the question because uh yeah that could be very challenging especially in kids too i mean i'm not sure how old are your kids now uh my son is three and a half and my daughter is about four months now um what's their diet like do they pretty much uh i guess your your youngest not so much but your right your three-year-old is he sort of eating what you guys eat or yeah i mean as much as we can get him to he eats more yep. of the of the vegetarian vegan junk food, like, like the chicken tenders made out of who knows what soy and wheat gluten and all that. But, <laughs> yeah. but we try to limit that. And, you know, I, I accept that he, he, that small cost of, of feeding him that food that I think is not that great for him, uh, comes with the enormous benefit of that. You know, he really, really understand, like he loves when we grow food in the garden and he often, he like won't eat vegetables and then he'll find out that we grew it in the garden and all of a sudden then he wants it. So then like, it's cool. Yeah, he yeah. Just has a really good relationship with food that I certainly didn't have when I was a kid. And we're like, you know, we're not, we are ethical vegans. Like, we do it for ethical reasons, but we're not the pushy types at all. And we don't want him to ever, you know, feel like he's the weird kid who's not allowed to eat meat at, at a birthday party or whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. we'll, it'll totally be his decision what he wants to do. And we'll cook vegan food at home, of course, and teach him how to appreciate it. But uh, what he does, you know, that'll, that'll be his decision. We don't want to push that on him yeah the funny story actually my little guy he's um 20 month, 21 months old and he he's pretty much a vegetarian he just doesn't like meat <laughs> yeah. or, he, <laughs> and, and and i certainly do but um yeah so we'll see i mean i, I think they're that, i mean that's a whole other podcast like what kids <laughs> right. and eating and stuff oh, sure. but uh but yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> um so what about have you done any or measured any sort of your metrics um things like or or documented how you felt as you did this transition i know obviously you, you felt uh, the positive effects uh, on your endurance endeavors but what about um, you know things like sleep and energy and um you know maybe you did some cholesterol readings uh, blood pressure uh, all that stuff yeah you know i've never really been serious enough as an athlete uh, or even like a self-experimenter to mm-hmm. really keep track of that kind of stuff and i i wish that i would have had you know more careful measurements at the beginning so that i could honestly and fairly compare how I am now to that because I, I really totally want to be scientific about this. I don't want to be someone who's out there, you know, just proclaiming that this is the best diet in the world without really knowing it or, or just be for ethical reasons, like deciding that I'm going to tell everybody this is healthy. But unfortunately I don't have that kind of data. Um, I, I mean, just it's, it's very much anecdotal cause it's just me and, and it's also very in some ways subjective, but I've gotten much more in, I found that I was not able or that I, didn't have nearly as many injury issues when when this mm-hmm. when I after I switched to my diet. Um, so after I qualified for Boston, which was like the first really the first marathon in in years and years that I had didn't have any injuries with, uh, and I was training very hard, harder than I ever had. Uh, I was like, wow, if I if I didn't get injured for that, maybe I could go further, and because that's what I kind of wanted to do, but always thought was impossible. So I got into running. I did a couple fifty milers, and then recently I did a hundred miler. And really had just no injuries during all this time. It's been like a non-issue. So I mean, that's that's one the the recovery time, which is if you talk to vegan athletes, a lot of them will cite that as the the reason that they do it, if not for ethical reasons, mm-hmm. uh, that that they notice that they can 
get out there again for another workout sooner and, and be, you know, just as good as, as they would after a few days on a different diet. Yeah, I've seen that come up a few times. I read uh, Scott Jurek's book, right. uh, Rich, Rich Roll's book, and I, yep. and I think both of them mentioned just they changed their diets and all of a sudden they were, co- were recovering from these tough, tough workouts yeah. very quickly. And it's, it's interesting, and I don't know if it's coincidental or just because this is where it started or if it's something about the, the diet, but it seems like most of the people who are saying this are endurance athletes. And mm-hmm. endurance sports, obviously, there's a there's an advantage to not having a lot of excess muscle, uh, whereas in, in the strength and speed sports, having excess weight and muscle may actually be an advantage, uh, at, the, at the very least won't hurt you. So, I mean, you're seeing like there are the MMA fighters and an NFL player here and there and an NHL player who are trying it and, and having success with it and doing it. But I'll be interested to see kind of what happens in the next few years and whether they start you know, really saying the same thing, that, that they can recover faster, even when, when they're tearing down serious muscle and having to rebuild it uh, on this kind of diet. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, I just listened to um, part of Rich Roll's podcast today, and he mentioned there's a vegan sort of strongman from Germany, and it was in Toronto, and he broke the world, sort of Guinness World Record for carrying the most amount of weight or something for 10 meters, and that's like that's insane. I mean, yeah. I don't care. I don't care what he's eating, but it's even more impressive because it sort of breaks a lot of those stigmas about the whole, you know, being strong and getting enough protein yeah, and, uh, and all that. Either. So I think it's yeah, I think it's a cool thing. Yep. Um. I wanted to touch on uh, some challenges and actually what made me uh, want to ask you this question. I read a, a really good post by Leo uh, Babauta uh, on his blog over at Zen Habits and it was um, on overcoming the social costs of being different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Have you read that post? Yes, I did see that one. Yeah, so anyways, I was, I was reading through that and a lot of times I, I think he's a vegan as well yep. so he, he mentioned a couple times um, being a vegan and plant-based um, and, and some other things. Um, so I wanted, just from your standpoint, what challenges have you had um, just being a vegan athlete or being a vegan plant-based athlete in general, just from a right. sort of a social standpoint? You know, we we haven't had that much issues with it at all. I mean, partly that's because, and just like Leo, I think, we're very, very laid back about it. Like, we we do not go out to dinner with the goal of making a scene so that everybody sees that we are vegan and therefore wants to change their diet or, or, you know, that's not our goal at all. So we are very laid back about it. Uh, until very recently I was kind of had the policy where if I went to a restaurant or a friend's house and they served me something like not, not me, but if they put cheese on something when it wasn't supposed to be there or like a friend who just really didn't understand what vegan was and, and cooked with butter, like I would still eat that food and, and just, you know, not even say anything about it just because it, just cause I didn't want it to get interfere with, with social things like that. And I didn't want to create weirdness with friends. And yep. recently I've questioned that a little bit more as I've gotten more into veganism. And I've, I've thought that maybe that's not, especially as someone who's just somewhat visible as a vegan, like, you know, with the blog and everything that maybe that's not the most responsible thing for me to do. And I'm honestly not quite sure how I still feel about that, but uh, I mean, so there's that little thing, but, really it's it's been people have been totally understanding i mean if you just explain to them ahead of time and you don't get mad and make a fuss when there's no food for you at a party i mean you know we just learned that that if you're going to go out to a party or you're going to go to a dinner at a restaurant that doesn't have vegan food but it's like a you know whatever a business dinner or a family thing i mean you just eat beforehand and 
one of the nice things about that is that it makes you plan ahead so that like if I'm going to a let's say I'm going to go watch a football game at a friend's house and everyone there is going to be eating pizza and chicken wings and there's not going to be anything there aren't even going to be healthy choices there the mm-hmm. good thing about it is that I eat at home and I'll and I'll eat you know lentils and rice or whatever like we would usually eat and I just end up it's you don't you don't realize how many situations there are like that like even when I thought I was a really healthy eater there were a lot of situations if I just think about them now where I made those exceptions and just ate total junk food for for a whole day so you know I kind of like that it forces us to plan more yeah um, I mean besides that not that much I mean I, I'm not quite the fan of cooking that I used to be. I used to really be into just cooking like these elaborate gourmet meals that would take four or five hours to make on a weekend and inviting. Now you've got kids. Yeah, well that that could be the reason too, <laughs> more than the diet. Who knows? But that doesn't happen as much, and I've I've always thought it was just because you know I feel like my family's not going to be quite as excited to come over if, when I tell them that that we're having you know whatever pasta with beans in it <laughs> versus yeah. like whatever the gourmet ragu or whatever we'd make before so i mean there there have been small little costs there but but really they've been just negligible compared to for me the benefits that have that have happened as, as a result of the diet cool um so let's shift gears a little bit here um what kind of advice would you have for people or active people uh most notably that are looking to explore a plant-based diet i mean i'm sure you probably get a lot of readers like me you know i'm not plant-based but i'm certainly curious and i and i read your blog all the time um so what sort of advice would you have for people um you know like me or others looking to get into plant-based diet yeah well i mean if it's someone like you then i don't really need to tell you to learn about it and do the research before you do it because i i made the mistake when I first tried to go vegetarian of just jumping into it and not, not knowing at all, like what I was going to eat. Um, I, I just said one weekend, I was like, okay, I'm going to be vegetarian now. And it lasted like less than a week because I, I wasn't prepared and I didn't, didn't have any recipes, mm-hmm. probably wasn't getting the right nutrition. I and mean, I was just eating whatever we had. And it was, I didn't realize that if you want to make it work, you have to eat really healthy vegan food. I mean, if you're eating junky vegan food, you're, you're not going to probably be getting enough calories and, I mean, I don't really think protein is the issue that people make it, but I think if you're eating total junk, I mean, it's it's not a good thing regardless of protein. Uh, and it's easy to do that if you don't know what you're doing when you jump into a plant-based diet. But, you know, once you do that and once you do kind of just know what you're getting into, and I don't mean serious study. I mean, read a site like mine or Leo's posts about plant-based diet. I mean, anything that just gives you the basics of what we eat for the most part. Um, I, after that, just set up a little experiment for yourself because one of the hardest things for me when I started was worrying that saying, oh, I can never eat buffalo wings again, or I can never eat a pork barbecue sandwich. These were foods that I loved and, you know, often, you know, even made a long trip, like seven hour car trip once just to get a pork barbecue sandwich in college. Another good college idea of mine. (laughs) Um, but like when I actually made it work, what I did was said, okay, I'm going to take 10 days and I'm going to do this diet for 10 days. And actually, at this point, I was still eating fish, but it was it was like basically a vegan plus fish diet. And I just said, I'm going to try that for 10 days, and I'm going to stick to it, and I'm not going to cheat. And then when that 10 days is up, I can evaluate how I feel and you know how, just everything, how, how it's working and if I want to keep going with it. And I can decide if I want at that point to quit, and it won't be a failure. Like I didn't want it to be a failure if I just got there and decided this wasn't working for me. So I did it, and it was very easy because I knew at any difficult points, I just knew that I only had three days left or whatever, and I could I knew I could stick it out to then. 
And then at the end of that, I felt great and loved it. And I said, I'm just going to do that again this time for 30 days. So, and that worked. And then from there, it was very easy because I was by then not really in the mood to eat meat or anything. And I, I would love how I felt. You asked about sleep before. I was sleeping better. I had so much more energy after like late after dinners when I used to be so bloated, I would all of a sudden not be tired and I just want to like do work or something. And I, I just had, you know, so many things happened and I don't know that that'll happen for everybody. I, maybe I had an exceptionally good experience, but it just worked so well. And that setting it up like that, where it was these short term challenges, that was really helpful. So I, so many people like talk about it and say, I'm really interested in this and I'd like to be that, but I don't think I could ever make that work. What I try to tell them as much as possible is, is really like, just try it. Just give yourself 10 days or seven days or whatever, and then see how you like it. And then if you don't, then, then go back and try again another time if you still feel like it. And if not, at least you'll know that you, you'll know what it's like and you tried it out. Yeah. I like that approach. I mean, I think if I ever decided to do that or even just, yeah, like you said, I'd make it an experiment, try it out for a week and see how I felt, you know, keep a diary, uh, yep. sort of what I ate, how I felt each day and go from there. And if it's something I wanted to keep, um, going ahead with, then I would. And if, if I didn't and you know, I wouldn't, but, um, Anyways, I think that's the way to look at it, just as an experiment and give it a go. Yeah, and it's also important to to really know why you're doing it. Because, I mean, if you're just kind of curious about it, I'm not saying that you shouldn't just do it. But I think without a, a strong reason, like whether, if, you know, if you fully believe that there might be tremendous health benefits to this, short term or long term, or mm -hmm. if you had a really strong ethical reason that you really wanted to do it. But I think having something like that really helps. So if you like if your goal is to become vegetarian and, and it's or vegan and it's for ethical reasons, then, like, you know, go visit a, whatever, I mean, you can't visit a factory farm very easily, but go watch a movie about what goes on there, or go visit, like, an animal sanctuary type place, and you can do these little experiences that will really heighten your, your desire to do it, for what, you know, mm -hmm. whatever your reason may be. So, I don't know, I think, I think it's really good to, if your goal is to become vegetarian or vegan, then, then amp that up, and kind of, like, you know, do what you can to make yourself want it even more. Yeah. Now, taking it a, a step further, I mean, you know, you get the person who's curious about the diet uh, in general. They give an experiment. But, but also, what about from the athlete perspective? Um, you know, what are the common questions you get from someone who's active? I mean, I know probably protein, that's obviously a big question. And just the energy demands of training. Um, how do you manage that? Or is it any different? You just, you know, you've, you've got your diet. That's what it is. And um and all the nutritional requirements are met. Yeah, I mean, once once you're used to it, once you've done it for some amount of time, then it is like what you said. It just kind of becomes like that's your diet. And, and if I want to start getting 20% protein instead of 15%, then I just, I just know how to do it within that framework. But, you know, like the common questions are, of course, protein, like you mentioned. And I tend not to think that protein is, is a big deal that like that we make it. Uh, as far as I know, there's there's never been a case of protein deficiency that's not also a case of caloric deficiency. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe if you just ate nothing but processed foods that, that were basically carbohydrates stripped away from anything else, then maybe it's possible you could get protein deficient. But if you're basing your diet on whole foods, which I think most people who, who are listening to a show like this are, uh, it's just not really an issue. Like the lowest protein whole foods still have a, like, I don't know, five to eight percent of calories from protein mm -hmm. so if you're eating even a bunch of those with a few other foods that have more like 
I don't know, beans and, and even whole grains that I've always considered a carbohydrate source before I was vegan, even some of those are like 15% protein. So it's really just not, not an issue. Like I don't think about protein. I just kind of eat whole foods. I try to make sure I don't just like eat only whole grains or only, only foods that I generally think of as carbohydrate foods. But honestly, I think even if I did, it wouldn't be that big a deal. I think it would probably be fine. Uh, Do you supplement your diet at all with any uh, supplements? No, I've stopped doing that. I used to um, take put, put a protein supplement like a hemp protein or a pea-hemp rice combination because that gets you a complete amino acid profile. I'd put that in the smoothie in the morning, but I've recently just gotten away from that. And I've you know I put a few more nuts and things in the smoothie because we have a, one of those fancy blenders that, that just grinds up anything. And uh, I've I've added the protein in that way, but I've gotten rid of it as a supplement. I've also stopped adding oil and things like that just because oil is not a whole food and I'm gradually becoming more and more convinced that it's not a health food either for the most part. Uh-huh. Some athletes would argue. I mean, Scott Jurek is a big fan of, of oils and Brendan Brazier is too. But I'm, I just don't know if they are necessary or helpful. Uh, they certainly are helpful in, in getting calories though. And that's that's the one the, – the difficult thing about this diet as an athlete for me has been just getting the number of calories. But that you need. So if you're like, if you're training for a hundred miler and you're running 70 or 80 miles a week, which I didn't, I actually managed to do it on less than that. But if, you know, if you need 4,000 calories a day, it's, it's just kind of tough to get that from whole plant foods because, because they're not as calorically dense as meat or or dairy products are. And it's difficult to fill your stomach. I mean, like an obvious example is broccoli, which everyone says is so high in protein I guess everyone in most circles don't, but in the vegan circles, that's like that's like everyone's favorite thing. Is, is broccoli is 50% protein or whatever, but you just can't eat enough because it takes so much volume in your stomach that you could never treat that as a serious protein source. So that's how a lot of plant foods are. They're they're not calorically dense, uh, which makes them very healthy. Because I tend to think that less calories is a good thing, even for people who uh, metabolize their food quickly. But uh, but yeah, as an athlete, if if I were doing something where I needed 4,000 calories a day, I think I would either need to supplement in some way or just, you know, kind of be gifted and be really good at eating a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about uh, B12? Yeah, I'm sorry. Vitamin B12. So I, I should have mentioned that. I, I do supplement with B12 because I'm pretty much convinced that you can't get it from plant foods unless they're fortified. There's certainly some argument about it, but uh, yeah, so where I, where I, kind of was going and forgot to go was that I do take a multivitamin but one that is has very minimal it's not like mega doses it has mm-hmm. I don't know it has some vitamin A I think some uh, maybe vitamin D B12 and like a few other little things it's really formulated for vegan diets and then I take a uh, DHA EPA just drip a little bit of that in in the smoothie in the morning a supplement with that so I do have those those supplements I don't think of them in the way that I kind of used to, because yeah, I was in college, college and, a, and a bodybuilder. I took all kinds of supplements. I mean, everything you could imagine I was taking as long as it was legal and uh, seemed safe enough. Oh, yeah. I think sort of a lot of guys went through that phase. I certainly did, yeah. taking the creatine and protein shakes. And um, actually, in my, my last podcast was Solo Well. It's, it's kind of funny. I think creatine's kind of gone full circle. It was popular, but no one really knew if it had any sort of long-term damaging effects. And then... I think people kind of stopped taking it, and now it looks like 
it's something that's quite fine to take. So yeah, it's, um, actually, it's interesting to see what happens over time. I've started to wonder about it, and actually, it was from reading Saul's site where he wrote uh, that. And Tim Ferriss mentioned this in the Four Hour Body too, in like a little footnote. The that vegetarians actually improve in intelligence. I mean, some study showed basically that vegetarians got smarter when they took creatine. And Saul, I think, posited that maybe. Maybe what it is is that, that vegetarians and vegans do have a slight creatine deficiency because it's not present in plant foods in mm-hmm. any significant amounts, and uh, your body makes a very small amount of it. So, you know, I've wondered if, if that could be almost an overall health supplement, not just like a gaining mass supplement, but, but taken in small amounts, I don't know, three, four, five milligrams a day. So I don't know. I'm, I'd like to see more research about it, and more is coming out as it becomes... Mom. Yeah, same, same here. I know Saul has his mom taking it, so I'm not sure if you <laughs> listened to my episode with him, but yeah, he's he's got his mom taking a couple things, and creatine is one of them. So, and is she um, a vegetarian or vegan, or just just because? No, I don't know. I, I mean, he didn't he didn't state that, so I'm assuming she's right. not. But um, anyway, hmm. I just thought it was interesting. That is, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let, actually. You wrote another post recently, which um, I'd like to uh, chat about it quickly. Is um, the post about why vegans and paleo should stop hating each other. I thought it was good because, you know, I do a lot of reading, different blogs, listen to podcasts, and uh, everyone's very quick to just, they want to label themselves something. I guess, it, I don't know if it's an identity thing or what it is, but, um, you know, I think, ultimately, I think these people want the same thing, and uh, I think sort of that's where your, your post went, but maybe you could chat about sort of um, your mindset, sort of writing that post and some of the feedback you've got from it. Yeah, I mean that was an interesting post. It was, I didn't expect it to be as controversial as it was. A lot of people hated that. I did not like that idea um, on both sides. There were vegans who said, "How can you possibly say that such a cruel diet is good?" And I didn't really say that. I said that it was. I said that I thought it was reasonably healthy and not that different as far as health goes from a from a healthy plant based diet. And I said, "Let's keep ethics out of this." I mean, it's not part of that. But but even if you do consider that, I mean. There is the fact that paleos, at least the ones who are doing it the way it's really meant to be done, are choosing meat, you know, sources that are far more sustainably raised and and whatever the word is slaughtered or whatever than uh, than in factory farms. So, you know, even if you go to that part, I think the diets have a lot in common. But anyway, the, the main point of it was that we both eat really, really similar. I mean, we think of these diets as being totally opposite. The other day, someone asked me, why do you think these two opposite diets have gotten popular at the same time? And, you know, it's funny, people within these health circles, like you and I, you know, think of them as opposites because they, they seem like it, like under the assumption that everybody eats whole foods. But if you look at just the general culture, I mean, the general Western culture, at least, everybody doesn't, everybody eats not whole foods for the most part. And mm-hmm. we are the weirdos, the paleos and vegans over on this one side who, who, are, you know, one very small part of the spectrum eat almost entirely whole foods. So, you know, a true paleo, I don't think, is stopping at McDonald's very much. And I know that a vegan is not either. So, I mean, I, I think for the most part, our diets are really not that different. We vegetarians and vegans eat a lot of grains for the most part, and paleos do not. The paleos, of course, eat meat, although the diet maybe is not based quite as much on meat as, as you know, the marketing has made it out to be and how the critics have made it out to be. At least that's some paleos have, have told me that they, it's really not about meat. It's about lots and lots of vegetables and some meat. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. And I think 
yeah, people have this misunderstanding that all they're eating is, you know, steak and bacon and throwing in a, yeah. a veggie here and, and there. And that's not that's not how the paleo diet is supposed to be, I don't think. It's certainly not how mm-hmm. how the actual paleos ate back in the day. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's kind of that's what's going to happen, you know, when if, if that's the way you can market a diet, then uh, people are going to do it and and think they're doing a really good thing for themselves. But, you know, that's not really the point. So I think in the purest forms of these two diets, they're they're really, really not that different. Maybe 20 percent of the calories are different from each other. You're just kind of just trading, say, beans and grains for meat. Uh, besides that, they're really, really similar. And, and they both, I think, have, have similar goals in terms of sustainability, too. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm not either, but I, you know, I've done enough reading where I think that there's a lot of similarities, but I just think, you know, people are touchy when it comes to this stuff oh, yeah. and they really like to, sure. they really like to be, you know, a part of their tribe and they'll defend it. And, um, yep. you know, that's the way, it, but it, it, that's cool too, you know, cause, because they're, they're passionate about it. So yeah, absolutely. I agree um, with you. that's a good thing as well. So, yep. um, okay, Matt, well, let's, um, we'll switch gears again here and I want you, if, uh, you can take us through sort of a typical day, uh, from a nutritional perspective, um, so you wake up, um, what's for breakfast? Breakfast is always exactly the same. It is, I mean, well, I shouldn't say exactly the same. It's always a smoothie, uh, based on, you know, I'll throw some walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, and pumpkin seeds in there to start it. Then some frozen fruit, some sort of leafy green, like frozen kale or spinach. What we do is just like, we buy kale and spinach anyway. And if it starts to go bad, we'll put it in the freezer and then just use it in the smoothie. Uh, a banana, some ice. I think that's really it. Not that much else. So, I mean, it's just a great way, I think, every day to start the day with raw fruits and vegetables and raw nuts, which I think that to me, that's three fantastic foods that you really can't get enough of. So that's that's pretty much every day's breakfast. And then some days I'll eat some sort you know, maybe like a sprouted grain English muffin type thing after that. But mm-hmm. uh, usually that's my breakfast, maybe some fruit later on. Um, and then I I probably eat I don't really count, but I eat, I eat three big meals a day and then snacks in between, which might be nuts. It might be as big as like a salad with some beans on it. Tofu, I'll eat here and there. Tempeh, I'm not, I don't think soy is necessarily a, a bad thing at all. I think just like wheat, I think it's kind of weird to eat any one food for three meals a day, like a lot of people do with, with meat, with wheat, with soy. I don't think we're really meant to eat any food that much. Like no food is really should have been that abundant in our environment that I, that I know of. So I don't like to eat a whole lot of any one food. I, I eat as mm-hmm. much variety as I possibly can. And uh, so, I mean, lunch will, will be the previous day's leftovers, but often it's, you know, we try to do like beans and rice in as many possible ways as we can. There's, there's like lentils and rice, or we'll replace their rice with quinoa, but like beans, a grain and some sort of green in a meal. That's very, very common in our house. And then, you know, I'll eat maybe a pasta dish for dinner. I, I don't have any problem with, with pasta, whether it's whole wheat or some sort of alternative grain pasta. Uh, very often we'll find a way to put beans in the sauce, which is actually not as weird as it sounds. A lot of, like, a traditional Italian meals that, that we look up uh, are, are really based on, like, having beans right there with the pasta, potatoes with mm-hmm. the pasta. And it sounds like a lot of carbohydrates, which it certainly is. But, like I said, it's it's whole grain pasta for the most part so it's not just like all carbohydrates there's a good amount of protein in there and yeah try to eat a salad every single day so the salad and the smoothie are like the everyday foods and then everything else kind of just revolves around that and really it's it's 
changes all the time. There aren't many foods that I that I won't eat as long as they're within the vegan framework, and as long as they're whole foods, we you know we try to eat pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. What about shopping? Do you try to shop um, sort of local markets, farmers markets, or uh, what do you what do you try to do there? Yeah, we like I I like the idea of eating locally. I'm admittedly not all that into the economics of it. I don't know that much about uh, how it works. I've learned a little bit a little bit more about it recently. Um, and even with the environmental stuff, I'm just, I've never been really passionate about saving and protecting the environment as, as important as I realize that it is. And I'm so glad that, that there are people who are really passionate about that. So it's more of like a selfish thing, but I like eating locally because the food tastes better. And because like mm-hmm. you can get bananas that were, well, I guess not that many bananas are grown locally, but they're a good example. Cause like you can eat, you know, ripe bananas when they're really ripe are, are great and delicious for you. But when they pick them months ahead of time or whatever weeks ahead of time and then they have to kind of ripen off the vine i think you lose out on a lot of nutrition and flavor there and bananas are just one example like tomatoes or whatever else so i i like eating locally for that and it's fun to go to the the co-op or the farmer's market we're lucky in the town where we live you know it's very very into the local scene there are several food co-ops and a farmer's market every single day if you want to go to one and so you know we do that we there's a whole foods owned store here that we try to shop at, but like everyone else, we're concerned about money too. So like we can't, we can't go spending $500 a week on groceries. So <laughs> yeah. well, a whole paycheck. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the nickname, right? So we, we get what we, what we can't get anywhere else. We'll get that there, but we go to the regular grocery store and, and it's nice that so many stores these days, like so many normal grocery stores are starting to have decent produce sections and decent organic sections within there and have natural foods aisles and all that. So, that's really nice compared to, you know, I even remember 10 years ago, it was, it was not like that at all. So that's, that's a good sign. Not, oh, not yeah, just... I would agree. I mean, I remember, yeah, 10 years ago, I saw something labeled organic and I, I didn't really <laughs> know what the hell that meant. Right. Yeah. It's funny I how was... much of a buzzword it is now. And I thought like, is this a totally different food or, <laughs> right. you know, what is this? Right. Uh, but back to your point about the local um, produce, my wife and I were in well, Thailand a couple of years ago and just uh, the fruits there were the taste was just so much better than, you know, oh, yeah. and more particularly the bananas when you, you mentioned bananas there, but I remember having a banana there. I was like, Oh my God, this is, really? this is what a banana is supposed to taste like. Right. Right. Yeah. I've, I've had that experience with tomatoes recently. I mean, I've, I used to hate tomatoes. I've only recently started eating them. And yeah, I mean, the difference between a, a trucked in pink tomato and one that, you know, like an heirloom tomato grown at the local farm is just, I mean, it, it, they're different foods basically. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so let's talk about some exciting news. And um, you have got a book coming out. Um, no Meat Athlete, Run on Plants and Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self. Uh, so tell us a bit about the book and um, and when it comes out, uh, why you decided to write it, uh, who is it for, and uh, all that stuff. Sure, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's called No Meat Athlete, Run on Plants and Discover Your Fittest, Fastest, Happiest Self comes out on October 1st, uh, which is just a few days away from when we're recording this. Um, it's it's Half of it is about nutrition and half of it's about running, which is really like what my site is. And I try to keep the running stuff in, you know, there are some specific things about running, but a lot of it is I try to be uh, general enough that you could apply the principles, like the training principles and the food, you know, eating around workouts, those sort of things, apply that to other sports. Endurance sports, it's going to apply better to than like, strength and speed sports but uh you know i tried to make it so it wasn't just running but that's what i do so that's kind of what it was but the the first section of it the nutrition section is kind of 
you know, really what makes it different from other running and fitness books. Uh, and it's, you know, it, there's, it's for a lot of different people, which was, which is a risky and tough thing for me to do. But I decided I wanted this thing to reach people who, who needed it. Like people who were kind of interested in being vegetarian or didn't even have, like, like me, didn't know that you could be a vegetarian and be an athlete just because as much as like, it seems like there's, it's getting more and more coverage now to most people, mainstream culture, you know, they're, they're no, no more aware of it than I was back then. So I wanted it to reach those people. At the same time, I wanted my audience at No Meat Athlete to really like it. So I tried to incorporate as much as I could that was for beginners, like how do you actually adopt and how do you transition to a plant-based diet? Uh, why should you, what, you know, what are the benefits? And also the kind of like, if you already are, how do you take that diet to the next level? And, you know, how do you make sure you are getting everything you need for, for sports? And there, we've talked about whole foods several times in this interview now, but as you can imagine, that kind of underlies the entire nutrition uh, mm -hmm. section. There are 50 recipes in it, including some sports drinks and sports gels and energy bars and things like that. Uh, in addition to just the normal foods, uh, like the, the formula that I use to make my smoothie and to make energy bars and different things like that. So it's, you know, it's, I, I don't know, it's kind of a, a guidebook to this lifestyle. And it, it's, it, for people who are brand new to it, that's, that's someone who I definitely had in mind when I wrote it. But for people who are already into this lifestyle but know that there's another level that they can get to uh, or just looking for, like, the inspiration to do so and then maybe some recipes, that you know, it's also for that person. So I, it, it was hard to write it for several people, but I really did try to do that with this one. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And you've got a book tour um, after the book launch, I guess, or uh, concurring with sort of when the book launches. Um, tell us a bit about the book tour, so where, where you're going or where people can find out about where you're going to be. Yeah, sure. And I guess I should mention the book. If you do want to find out about the book, um, you can obviously get it on any of the any places where books are sold for the most part. But if you want to get it on my site and just see more information about it and like what a lot of well-known plant-based athletes have said, it's at nomeatathlete.com slash book dash info. And uh, the tour is on a very similar URL. It's, it's nomeatathlete.com slash book dash tour. And uh, if you go there, you'll see all the sites where I'll be. Unfortunately, I'm not going to make it up to Canada. You're in, uh, uh -huh. you're in Toronto, right, Mark? Correct. Yeah, so I thought about that. I kind of wanted to get to Vancouver or Toronto, but I'm in my car for this thing. I'm driving, so it's not It's not a – I mean, it's not a small tour. I'm hitting 40 cities, but I just couldn't get my – I couldn't go to anything that was, that was, for lack of a better term, that was remotely remote. So, you know, if it was anywhere that wasn't between two other cities on my tour, I kind of had to think hard about it. Uh, you know what? We'll uh, we'll get you up here at some point. And, <laughs> there have been uh, a lot of yeah. people who have, who have asked me why I'm not coming there, and apparently it's like a really really great city for for vegan food. Uh, in addition uh, to being there's, vibrant in every other way too. Yeah, there's some great uh, vegan and vegetarian options. Um, and again, uh, I mentioned Rich Roll again, but I know he I think he came to the Toronto Veg okay. Fest recently, and, and he mentioned that it was um, it was massive. Yeah, that's what people say. So I I'd, I'd really like to check it out, and. Uh, you know, for now, sticking to the U.S., so, but across the entire U.S., uh, like I said, 40 cities. So you, chances are, if you're listening to this in the U.S. and you're you're near a big city, then I will be near you. So, uh, you know, we'll be doing like just runs, and I'll talk and go get some food, get some drinks, whatever. I'm trying to make it like the the anti book tour book tour, where I don't want it to be like me talking and then people standing in line and get books signed. Uh, you know, as if that's going to happen anyway. I don't know if people really <laughs> want my students <laughs> messing up their book. But, uh, 
you know, I'm trying to make it just fun and like active and engaging and just kind of fun hanging out more than. Rather- well, that's cool. I mean, they'll get to meet you. You can meet them, and you'll. Uh, I'm sure you'll gain some new friends from it. So that that's pretty cool. I respect that totally. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned before, um, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot here, but uh, you're willing to give away one copy of your book. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And um, actually, you know what? I'm going to. Uh, I'll I'll throw in a copy as well. I'll buy a copy for. Uh, for someone as well. So we got two copies of uh, Matt's book to give away. Um, I figured um, we will get people to hop over to healthynomics.com slash plants and uh, drop a comment on the uh, the blog post for this podcast. Um, nice. And what should we... Is URL? Plants? That's the one. Like you it. got plants. That is yours. And um, what should we have people comment on... Um, uh, post a question or anything uh, related to um, a question on the book or uh, any ideas there? Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even uh, – let's see. How about uh, how about smoothies because I'm a big smoothie guy. I like how it. How about what's your, what's your must-have smoothie ingredient? Okay, must-have smoothie I mean, ingredient. I don't know, does that fit with, with your own distance sort of thing? I don't <laughs> – Yeah, that's that cool. Work? Let's do it. You know what? One, one entry for – putting any comment and you'll get two entries for putting in your favorite smoothie ingredient or favorite smoothie recipe. Nice. Perfect. And we'll pick uh, two people at random and uh, I'll, I'll put a, a deadline um, on the blog post as to when we'll, we'll accept entries. And uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so before we end, I wanted to have a little fun here. I got a few quick questions. I haven't done this to any other previous guests, but I thought <laughs> I would change it up a bit. So you'll be the guinea pig here. But um, anyways, just some quick questions. Uh, you can come back with some real quick answers. And um, yeah, is that cool with I'll you? I'll do my best. Cool. Okay. Uh, who is your favorite athlete? Scott Jarrett. What time of day do you get your best workouts? Uh, definitely the afternoon. After after I can't do any more work around 3 o'clock, I will get up and go for a really strong, good run. Cool. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book has nothing to do with any of what we've talked about. Uh, it's, it's called Godel Escher Bach by Douglas Hofstadter. Uh, it's about consciousness and all that kind of stuff. Actually, you know, reading his stuff did get me thinking about consciousness, and, and I, that's kind of what maybe led me to the idea that, that I didn't think animals were all that different from people. So maybe that's very related to what we've been talking to talking about. Interesting. I, I've never heard of it, but I will check it out. Uh, your favorite running race you've done? Uh, the 100 miler that I just did in July, it's called Burning River in Cleveland. Uh, I don't know. I haven't done any other hundreds, so I can't compare it to others. But the the experience was incredible. It took me 28 hours, which is not a great 100 miler time, but uh, just an amazing experience. Cool. Uh, coffee or tea or neither? Definitely coffee. I, I wish I could say tea, and I've tried to make it tea a lot of times, but it always goes back to being coffee. <laughs> Uh, three health or fitness websites that you like or refer to often? Uh, examine.com, which we mentioned. Saul Orwell's site. Uh, Zen Habits, which we also mentioned, which I don't really consider a fitness site, but he does write some good fitness articles on there. He does, yeah. And I have a friend named Jenna. She writes a blog called choosingraw.com, and there are a lot of really good recipes there about you know food that's kind of halfway raw but not really like meals that have a lot of raw food in them but isn't like weird raw foodie food. So like, you know, you could actually eat it in your regular life with kids and, and a family. So that's my other one, choosing raw diet. Wicked. Uh, what do you fuel with during your long runs? Dates. Uh, fresh dates, the ones with the pits in them, not not like the dried ones that have already been pitted because 
for whatever reason they're just not as good. But if you get fresh whole dates and just you know bite the pit out of it while you're while you're running, it's like nature's energy gel. They're delicious and packed with glucose, which gets right to your bloodstream. Perfect. Early riser or night owl? More an early riser now. Not by choice, but by my son's choice, really. <laughs> <laughs> same, same here. Yeah. Uh, favorite vacation spot? I went to Italy, and I absolutely loved it there for the wine and the food. I don't know that it would be the same experience now that I'm vegan because pretty much everything they eat has at least has dairy in it. So uh, <laughs> I'll have to pick a new one, I guess, soon. Uh, go-to smoothie recipe? I have a formula on my blog. Uh, if you just Google, like, perfect smoothie formula, no meat athlete, you will find it. Uh, it's it's kind of what I told you earlier, you know, that all those four different nuts and seeds, frozen fruit, and some sort of leafy green, maybe some frozen broccoli if you want to get really weird and hippie-ish and put that in there. <laughs> uh, and then ice and water. I, I mean, I measure it, but it's I've gotten to the point where I just kind of know what the, the amounts are. So fool around with that. You'll, you'll make Cool. Uh, last one here. Favorite strength training exercise? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I really like deadlifts. I'm I'm not by any means an expert at them, and my form is not perfect, but I've come to really appreciate them after hating them for my entire college career uh, as as some you're just an amateur weightlifter. I've come to finally appreciate lifting legs and and doing it right. So the deadlifts. You know what? I'm I'm with you. Actually, I did um, a lot of sort of heavier squats and deadlifts and that type of thing. Um, during my marathon training and leading up to the marathon training. And uh, I, I had a history of sort of hamstring issues. And you know what? I didn't have any hamstring issues. And my legs felt strong throughout the training. And um, yeah, you know, like I think, lift. yeah, you know what? I think deadlifts are they're a great exercise. And I don't think people should shy away from them. Um, although if you do them, um, learn pro- yeah. proper form sure. before you get going and lifting some heavy weight. Yep. Um, cool, Matt. Well, I do not want to take any more of your time, but thanks so much for chatting and your expertise. Um, why don't you let people know where they can stay in touch with you and what you're up to? Sure. Uh, my blog is nomeatathlete.com. No spaces, no dashes, just all one word, really. And I'm on Twitter at nomeatathlete, Facebook, nomeatathlete. Uh, yeah, so th- those are the big places. I'm on Google Plus, too, but uh, that's not too many people are on there yet. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Matt. Well, uh, thanks very much, and uh, we look forward to seeing your book. Thank you, Mark. This was fun.